Everybody in your crew identifies as either Big Mac Burger, McNuggets, or McCrispy Sandwich. But you're the filet fish Sandwich all day. That crispy fish, that savory tartar sauce, that melty cheese, that pillowy bun. Yeah, you get it. Every time. And if you love the filet of fish right now you can catch two of the classics you love for just $6. Limited time only. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Single item at regular price. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba. Mino Line Media presents the Business First Podcast. Hi, all, and welcome to a new episode of Business First with Sonia Aline. I am your host. And today we welcome to the studio John Speaks, who's the owner of a neighborhood pub called Hyperion Public. Thanks, Speaks. Thanks for joining us. Thank you for having me, Sonia. Happy to be here. Well, you know, the, the restaurant business or the food slash nightlife type businesses, it's a popular dream for entrepreneurs. But... Um, you know, it, it's a tough one. If you, given everything that you've gone through, and, and that's going to be part of our discussion, given everything that you've gone through, is it a business that you would recommend for uh, entrepreneurs interested in pursuing that? The nightlife slash bar life business I'm in, uh, the dark side of the real world, uh, I would recommend it for people at a certain point in their life, not early on in their life, not uh, too late in life, but a part of life where like maybe if you have kids, your kids are in high school, not in grade school. Uh, your kids are in college, you know, something like that, but not before then because you have to spend time with your family and the bar life will take that away from you almost completely. What was it that made it an interesting venture for you? Um, well, the way I got into it was I was a, I was a music video editor and uh, I was at the top of this building where my office was. And at the bottom of the building was this bar that just opened up. So I would go to that bar every day and talk to the owners there and make a lot of friends and meet a lot of interesting people. And when I decided to get out of the uh, music video editing business, the next logical place for me was the bar world because I established so many contacts and friends in that industry. So, you know, that's where I went. And how did the discussion start? Um, because you, did you bring up the idea or was it, as you say, just in conversation that the converse, that, that the idea began well, to, I, to blossom? I like money. So that's how the conversation started. I, you, know, you can sit at a bar for a few hours and you can look around and see all these people just passing money to the bartenders. You can see, I mean, if you pay attention, you see how, how much money a bar makes you know, in a night, in a week, in a month, in a year. Oh, my God. And then it's uh, you realize there's a whole lot of money in it. Yes, there is. And so, what was the next step to decide what type did you did you understand, or did, did you based on the environment that you were in, did you understand that nightlife slash bar restaurant is probably the way to go because of the the activities at the bar? It is a very very fun thing. It's I'm not going to lie. It's a very very fun thing. It's a party that you can get swept into, and if you're not careful, you can lose everything. And and the way I got into it was I partnered up with one of the owners of the bar that I was frequenting because I was like, "Yo, dude, how do I get in? How do I get down? Let me in. You know, I'm knocking on the door. Hello, let me in." And uh, so he, me, and this other guy, uh, we opened a bar on Sunset Boulevard on the Sunset Strip across from the Chateau Marmont, and it was a dead little corner. People were like, oh, any business that ever started there fails. So he and I decided to get this place that everyone said it was going to fail because I don't believe I can ever fail. You have to have that mentality. And I built this place 
and he managed this place, and it became one of the most popular bars on Sunset Strip then, and it still is today. Unfortunately, well, un- yes, unfortunately, someone came along and offered me a lot of money to leave, and they gave me cash, and I said bye. <laughs> so <laughs> I left there and went and started another one somewhere else. You know, what, what was it that you think that you all understood about what was needed in the area to be to be a success in a place where people said like that's not going to work? A good partnership is people who have different special uh, abilities, let's say, your superpowers, so to speak. Uh, his was, you know, the food, managing a, managing a kitchen, you know. And we had another friend who, you know, anybody can manage a bar, really, because it's like buy something, sell something. That's all that is. But my thing was to build it to make it a certain style and then to make it popular, you know, because I have that charisma type of thing sometimes, I guess. But uh, it takes somebody to bring a crowd to a place, to make it popular. So once we have the food was, you know, the food was good. The bar was, you know, it was popping. And then the, the atmosphere was this, it was a constant party. And that constant party is what you have to be afraid of as a bar owner. And does and that connect to your, your first response where you were saying that you had to um, be at a certain age or you would recommend being at a certain age to be able to handle the pressure? Well, no, these are just lessons I learned. I've been in this business a long time. I've had three bars in Los Angeles that I've built. I mean, it's you have a hard time finding a black man in Los Angeles that can say he's built three bars and owned three bars with his own hands. I'm the only one I can think of. If, in, in this thing, you have to know who you're dealing with. And a lot of times when you part up with somebody, you don't truly know that person. And the hard part of it is everything you're going to learn along the way. I've been in this business now since 2009. And, you know, like I said, the party's good. So, <laughs> so uh, yeah, you, you get swept away. And if you're not careful, you're going to lose everything. And your partners are, you know, you have to think, you know, who's a partner? What is a partner, right? You think a partner is someone who's there to help you. Well, just know in the back of your mind that not everyone who shows up is going to help, okay? And if you don't know who your partner is really, truly deep inside their heart, then, then you need another partner or you need to go solo. Based on, on, on some of the things that you've learned about your partners, what else would you suggest to someone who is, because the restaurant business is, is usually a partnership business, what, were, what would those specific things be? I would say work in the business for a long time first, learn the business first, and don't have a partner ever. Because, you know, what, what they say, power, power corrupts, you know? Uh, money corrupts even worse. When people see the amount of money that comes in and out of your of your life into your bank account, people, you know, they get greedy. People tend to try to take it away, try to steal it, try to hide it some way, manipulate it so that, you know, they get a lot of money and it looks like you're broke or whatever. And, you know, that's what happens. It happens in every business. You know, it's happening. It happened in cryptocurrency. It happens in Wall Street. It happens, you know, at a corner store. It happens anywhere where there's money. And there's a lot of cash flowing in and out of bars on a daily basis. So let me let me start with this question. Roughly, what is a range in terms of a startup for what's required um, in terms of financing a restaurant or a pub or a bar? It depends on what state you're in, really. Uh, in California, in Los Angeles, where I am, it's ridiculous. If I had to do this all over again, I'd do. I'd go to Florida. I'd go to Texas. I'd go to Maryland. I'd go to any state that doesn't have sales tax. <laughs> I'd go to Vegas, you know, Nevada, New Mexico, someplace like that. Um, places 
where there's high sales tax, but there's a big popularity, it's say a liquor license in Los Angeles is upwards of $100,000 just to get a liquor license. A property in Los Angeles, it's hard to buy a property, especially a bar. You know, And then you have to decide, okay, am I going to rent the bar or am I going to own the building that the bar is in? If you want to make money, money, you own the building. You have the brick and mortar thing. If you're just renting a place, then you have to figure in Los Angeles, your rent is going to be, you know, $13,000 a month. So if you're making $60,000 a month, then 13000 that goes to rent, another 20000 probably goes to employees and taxes and so forth and so on. And then the cost of goods is another thing. So by the time you're done to, you know, down to like your profit, you may have made like, you know, pretty much nothing or a few thousand dollars. So you have to be very, very careful with your finances. And if you have somebody, a partner who's not trustworthy, then what's going to happen next? The restaurant business also has so many moving parts. So there, it's all of the financing and all of the the, the um, licensing and all of those things that you have to get done on one hand. That's, there's yeah. the business structure. There's 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 the marketing to make sure that it's going to be appealing to a certain group of people. And then there's the the public relations piece, like keeping people attractive to your property, particularly in a place like LA where everybody's looking for the next hot thing. And so how do you even manage all of those, even with partners, how do you manage all of those areas and all of those necessary parts of the business? Well, all the, that's all the fun stuff to me. You know, it's like mm. to make a place cool is, is to be cool yourself. I mean, you can tell who the boss is when the boss walks into the, walks into the bar. The boss is the one who's smiling at everybody, shaking hands, giving hugs and kids say, hey, get this guy right over here a shot. Hey, what are you guys doing? Haven't seen you for such a long time. Welcome back. You know, that's the boss. You know, the manager, though, is the guy who walks into the room behind the boss and just smiles at everybody, nods their head, doesn't really say much, but talks to the employees and not the customers. So there's a whole thing about how you interact with people that makes it fun for them. And they want to come back because you know them. And they want to go to a place like Cheers. Somebody recognizes you. I mean, there's a lot of people in the world who go to bars because they're happy. They want to celebrate. They go to bars because they're sad and they just want to drink. They go to bars to, to like be alone. You know, and they for every reason you can think of, go to a bar. You know, and in certain places you build an atmosphere. Like my bar, I built an atmosphere of welcome home. It doesn't matter where you're from. It's where you're at. You know, I don't care who you love as long as you love somebody. Hey, come here, give me a hug. Let's have a drink. You know, real hugs are 20 seconds. Don't go nowhere. So that's the atmosphere I built in the place that I have. When people come there, they, they feel that energy that's already there because I started it and it went to the next person, the next person, the next person, and everybody in the room has it. You know, and I also call my bar the Island of Misfit Toys because everybody who comes to a bar is slightly broken including myself. So we go to these places to be around people who are like ourselves, you know, so you build a community that way. And that's how you make something successful. It doesn't matter if you make the next hot thing because the hot thing is a fad. It may last a year, it may last two years, three years, and then it's gone. You know, I build places that stay, that become part of the community that everybody comes to. They come to watch politics. They come to watch football games. They come to sit there and talk to somebody they haven't seen for a long time. They come there on Tinder dates. I mean, they, you know, because they know that like the staff is not going to rat them out, you know, because everyone has a place where they feel comfortable. I mean, that's how you, how you make something successful. Something like, like jeans, you wear your most comfortable jeans, right? You go to your most comfortable bar. That's the philosophy. What are the strengths that you know you had and have been demonstrated in the success of the business? And what are some of the strengths that you've developed along the way? 
Well, I mean, from my college days, it's like, say, Emerson College, you learn how to communicate to people. You learn how to talk to people of all types of, no matter where you're from. If you don't even speak the same language, you learn how to communicate just through sign language and like saying something physically as opposed to saying it verbally. So one of the strengths that I've always brought to this game was communication. And like, I'll talk to anybody. I don't even care. It's like, if somebody's sitting there look by themselves and no one's talking to them, I'll go up and talk to them. I'll sit right down next to them and just start chatting away. You know, it's a, I talk to people like there was a woman there who had one leg. And I was like, hi, Eileen. <laughs> you know, just to mess around, you know, and then, you know, just, and then we start laughing and drinking and talking and she feels great. I introduce her to other people. Next thing you know, she's got friends. You know, there's a guy who comes and he's handicapped because of a motorcycle accident and he brings his little pit bull. I'm like, how's your pit bull? How's, how's Ella? You know, it's like, give Ella some water. We sit down, we talk and I introduce other people. And the next thing you know, he's got friends. So that's how that works. Like I become a conduit for other things to happen. And that's a good thing. That that's one of those things you get through communication and through public relations and just not being afraid. You know, my background, like growing up as a kid, I was raised by the military, traveling from base to base to base to base around the world. So you don't get a chance to be afraid of meeting people or talking to people. You have to. That's how you survive. You know, one of the bad things is that sometimes you have to kick people out. You know, for any type of reason. Sometimes somebody you know and love is, you know, you're like, I'm not drunk, I'm not drunk. And you look at their tab and they've had eight shots of tequila. Bro, you're drunk. You know, you got to go. Like, I'm never coming back. I love you. Be safe. And they're gone. You know, some of the bad time things are people say things about you behind your back. And, you know, it's, it's, it's weird because people will see you getting successful and they'll find reasons to try to bring you down. That's just life, I guess. But you can't let these things affect you. You can't let any, someone else's negativity interfere with your positivity, you know? And what do you think, you, what strength did you develop that you didn't know that you, that you didn't know that you had in you or something that you discovered about yourself along the way towards, towards a, a successful um, business? Well, let's see. That uh, I didn't know how hard I was. But being hard is not being mean. It's not being forceful. Hard. hard is like when you have to make hard decisions, you make a rule. Like one of the rules I made was, you know, if you're drunk behind the bar, there's not even a conversation, you're fired. One of your favorite bartenders who's great, excellent salesperson, makes a lot of money for the bar, but one day has too many drinks because people kept buying them drinks and they're drunk behind the bar. So you have all these other bartenders and people who work there, they see that. What do you do? This person makes a lot of money for you. This person brings a lot to the tables, very intelligent, helps you with everything, but it's drunk behind the bar. All they're supposed to be working. What do you do? You fire them and suffer the consequences of not having that help, not having somebody to support you in that way, not having anybody else who was as good at selling or anything else. So you're just you're taking a loss for a rule that you made that you have to stand by. So you have to be hard. You can't be soft on it. If you're soft on it and say, well, you know what? I'm going to let you, you know, I'm going to give you a pass. Then everybody gets a pass. Of the pass. Pardon me. Nobody gets a pass. You have to stick to your rules. You have to be hard. I mean, everyone's going to say how cool they are, how tough they are, how important they are. No one is cool or tough or important as you are as the owner of the place. Everybody's a gangster until a real gangster walks into the room, you know? So you have to have rules and stand by them. I know you say that um, having a place that's warm and familiar and where people know each other is a um, is, is 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 a recipe for for longevity. But in that, how do you 
change menus or change uh, uh, attractions or change um, pieces of the environment that keep people engaged, happy or comfortable, but also still engaged. Well, we have to go back to the part where somebody's alone at the bar or where the owner walks in and starts shaking hands and talking to everybody. See, then at that point, I'm the one who makes the changes. So I'm the one, everyone knows me. Everyone's happy to see me. I'm happy to see them. So when a change has to come, I just make a change and say, hey, dudes, I'm changing some shit. You know, we're going to try something new next week, next Wednesday night, 9 p.m., show up. Oh, you know what? I'm not doing that anymore. I'm going to do this now. And everyone's like, all right, cool, let's try it. Because you're the one who connected everybody. You're the one who's making this thing. So it's, you're, you're like leading this whole this whole party to wherever it may go. And they trust you because you're the energy that pulled it all together. So when you want to make a change, you do it. That's on my side. On the other side, the corporate side, I don't know how they do their stuff. I don't want to know how they do their stuff. Corporate people, you know, you have to wear a uniform. You have to go and be a certain way, wear a name tag, all that stuff. No. I, I deal with real people, real business, and keep everything real about my, my, you know, my, my bar. How, how did you survive the, the pandemic? What was, what was, what were these last few years like for you? I broke every rule, pretty much broke every rule, but they say you have to do one thing, but the one thing they want you to do makes no sense, makes zero sense. So, okay. They want you to, to hire back all of your employees, but no one can come out to your restaurant. So what kind of sense does that make? So if you don't do that, you get penalized. Great. I'll take the penalty. Here's the flag. You know, me. I'll raise my hand. My bad. But I took the money and re basically redesigned the whole place. Rebuilt the kitchen. Rebuilt the dining room into another bar so that there was a, like, it, my place has two levels. There's a bar in the back and there was a dining room in the front. Well, now there's a bar in the front, too. Knocked out a hole in the wall. Built a bar onto the sidewalk. They said, you know, they said you need a takeout window, right? Great. They didn't say it couldn't be a bar. So <laughs> I put a hole in, in the in the wall, put a big-ass, you know, table across it, built a bar, and served cocktails out the window. People didn't have to come in. They could walk on by, and they did. Then they said, okay, you can't give them straight cocktails. It has to be bottled like, you know, like a soda. So I went and got a bottle capping machine, made cocktails, put it inside the bottles, capped it up, said, here you go. And people would line up with, you know, they come – well, jogging by or like walking a baby in a stroller or something like that. Dad would have a shot. Mom would have a cocktail. Baby like wouldn't get anything because, you know, it's a bar. And <laughs> everybody was happy. But then once the pandemic starts to slow down, then building and safety comes along. And they're like, well, you didn't get a permit for this. I'm like, y'all was closed. What you want me to do? But, you know, of course, we're still fighting that part. But little do they know, there's a little obscure, uh, obscure uh, law. I think it's in every state. I think it might even be constitutional that when the nation or this country or the state or whatever it might be is in duress, you are allowed to use common sense to do whatever you need to do to progress. This is a law, but they're going to not, you know, well, that's not a law. They need to know their laws. It's a law. So if you do something out of common sense that does not hurt society, that is, you know, uh, helpful to a community, it's supposed to be legal. So I did everything that was helpful to society and, help the community and that's it being creative is also one of your strengths obviously well yeah i mean you know how they say think outside the box you gotta say what box that's how you gotta live like that because you know when they change the game they'll change the rules all the time every day there's a new rule for this new rule for that you just have to change the way you play the game every day so if you're playing and life to me is a big ass game if you're playing this game and they change the rules you just have to change the way you play you know it's not if they say jump that doesn't mean how high? 
That means, okay, they said jump. I'm going to watch. I ain't jumping. Let me see what happens to the dude who jumps. And then I'll figure out what to do. What do you look for when you pull your staff together? Your wait staff, your uh, the bartenders, the um, your chefs. When, when you're putting together your team, what are some of the qualities you're looking for? Well, in different positions, I say, let's start with the kitchen, okay? For uh, the cooks, because I don't need a chef because it's just bar food. But for the cooks, they have to, A, be able to cook, B, be able to clean, because that's almost the book. Well, almost more important than cooking is the cleaning part, because when the health department comes in, if your kitchen is dirty, you're done. So these people in the kitchen have to be able to cook something and clean it, and then they have to make it look nice. Like everything that comes out of the kitchen needs some Instagram worthy. You know what I'm saying? So if it doesn't look like you can take a picture of it on Instagram, don't bring it out of the kitchen. That's one thing. And then for, let's say, the uh, the bussers, okay? The bussers and, you know, barbacks. Those guys need to not talk. They need to hustle. They need to be able to, like, if you're walking one way, take something with you. If you're walking back the other way, take something with you. Not even a question. So if you're cleaning up a table one place and you're walking back, there's some empty glasses on the, on the table over there, don't just walk past it. Pick it up. Keep going. You know, if somebody needs something, you'd say, yes, how many? Go, get them, you know. And then for the bartenders, they have to be fast. They have to be uh, courteous. They have to be able to communicate well with people. They have to be able to just start a conversation with a stranger because as a bartender, you're first and foremost everyone's therapist. And then after that, you become their best friend. And then if you don't even know them, if a group of people walks in, one of the first things I tell my bartenders to do is just look around and say, okay, how many shots? And that just starts the party right there. Once that starts going, the party's on. You know, if you have to figure too, like financially speaking, one bottle of booze, let's say 750 milliliter bottle of uh, tequila, right? There's 21 shots in that. The shot goes for $11, $12. Do that math. So you buy a bottle of tequila for like $29, $29, 21 shots for $12 each. Hello, this is why I'm in the business. How so difficult get- is it to manage extensions of, of, of a brand? Like starting a, a neighborhood pub in, in one area and then creating others, extensions of or, or different extensions of the brand. I try to do it. It's very hard. I wouldn't do it again. What I would do is franchise them. I would start mine. If somebody else wants to start another one just like it, great. I'll help you go over and start it. Just give me a little, little consultancy, fee, whatever. That's your place now. I got my own thing to worry about. I need to worry about my staff, my crew, you know, my money over here. We're all going to get paid. I don't need, I'm not greedy. They can get their own money. They can pay, you, know, use, you know, they can pay me for the name. They can pay me for the branding, whatever, whatever. That's great. It's just business. But I don't want to go and start another physical location anywhere again, ever. I want just the one. Have you considered consulting? Uh, yeah, I have considered consulting, but most people haven't really, I haven't really reached out to do it just yet. I mean, I can do it. I will do it one day. I probably should do it now. But, uh, Listening to you, there's so many, I think most people know going into the restaurant business that it's, it's going to be a heavy lift financially, that in terms of, you know, ordinances from the city and, 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 and all of the red tape that you have to go through, the liquor license, the challenges of that. But there's so many other intricate pieces um, oh, that yeah. go into the, a successful business because we, we see them open and close regularly. But for a business to, to be around for any length of time, it requires all, all of this level of, of detail. Yeah, I mean, the one I have right now, Hyperion Public in Silver Lake in Los Angeles, I built it in 2012. I go there right now. I go there every night since uh, last, uh, let's say, October. 
because every night I go there to do one thing, count the money. I had a partner and I didn't count the money. A lot of money disappeared. Like I say, a lot of money goes through these bars. Sometimes a lot of cash, sometimes a lot of credit cards, especially these days. And uh, the law is in California, even with minimum wage in California, $16 an hour. Okay. So your bartenders and everyone else gets $16 an hour minimum. And then on top of that, when people tip, they tip on these credit cards, 15%, 20, oh, 18%, 20%, 25%. Well, they have to get that cash. They That's their money. You cannot keep any part of that in California. So I have to, you know, what I do with my staff is I, I give the bartenders 65%. I give the uh, the bar backs and busters uh, 20%. And then I give the people in the kitchen 13%. And then 3% goes for processing. I make sure that the money is correct for them all the time. And that makes them work better for me because they get paid very, very well. Where other people don't do that. Other people say, oh, yeah, we had a bad week or whatever. And you know that they made some money. So a lot of people get cheated out here. I don't cheat people. And that's why I keep my staff. They're very happy to work for me. How many hours a day do you do you spend working? All of them. No joke. All Sounds of them. like it would require that. Yeah, it does. I mean, I got home from work last night at 4.30 in the morning. And then that call started, call started happening at 6 a.m. So it's crazy. I mean, I have a party booked for this weekend for uh, probably 200 people on Saturday night. That's going to be crazy. I don't have enough staff to handle that. So I'm hiring old staff members to come back and just work for me for one day to handle this with me. That would explain that in part the failure rate for a lot of new businesses because the 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 idea of owning an establishment that people are going to enjoy coming to and, and that's going to do well um, versus what actually has to be done to maintain that is uh, probably not it's, what most people expect. Oh, it's not what you think at all. I mean, I thought this was going to be my retirement gig. Oh, my God. It's a whole other job that's harder than the one I had before. It's ridiculously harder. Not harder in the sense of I have to do this physical work. Harder in the sense that I have to concentrate on everything. I have to watch everything. I have to not just trust everybody, but I have to be on top of what they're doing to know what I'm doing. So I can't tell them what to do if I don't know what's supposed to be done, you know? It's like, and any little thing can happen. Any little thing. So somebody slips and falls in, in your place. You're getting sued no matter what. Uh, let's say you're, you're a parking lot. You don't have a, uh, well, there's blue handicapped parking spaces in your parking lot or some the wrong side or something. Oh, you're getting fined. Uh, somebody who is handicapped can't get into your bathroom. Oh, you're getting fined. You're getting sued straight because straight, there's lawyers who just drive around looking for that. You know, they'll, I had one lawyer bring in an old lady with a cane, you know, and she wanted to go to the upstairs bar and it's like taking three steps. And she, if she can't get up those three steps, I'm getting sued. So immediately what I had people do was go back there and close the doors. That part's closed. There's nothing to get up there for. Simple as that. You have to watch for these people coming because they're they're hawks, they're snakes, they're they're roaches, you know. And these people, they're ambulance chasers. They you have to watch for every little thing. And, and the health department will sneak up on you and ask you for something. Vice cops will come in, looking like little kids. Go to your bar, sit at the bar, and ask you for a drink. If you don't ID, if you don't card them, you know you might get arrested. If, if your bartender overserves somebody, they go out and get into an accident. The bartender gets arrested, and then you get fined or you lose your license. There's so much stuff that people don't know about. And people think, oh, it's just a fun job. It is not a fun job. It is a, you have to have a gangster mentality. You really do. Because people have to respect you enough to not do that. People have, like your, your customers have to respect you enough that when you say to them, hey, you've had enough, I'd rather see you tomorrow. 
see you like on a paper on news. So, you know, why don't you let me get you an Uber? You know, drink this water first. But some, some places you go to, if you say that to a customer, they get mad, you know, but you have to be respected enough to have people say, okay, you know what? You're right. Thank you. You know, you have to have employees who are respected enough that they can say that too. You have to build that. It doesn't just happen. Well, I see a, a course or a manual um, in your future. Uh, I think it's it's needed uh, as as long as I've been covering business and writing about uh, people starting businesses. People love restaurants, and it's a big dream for a lot of people. And uh, yeah, this information would be helpful for anyone thinking about doing that. Do it in the right part of your life. You know, just don't do it early because if you have kids and you own a bar or a restaurant and you don't have the time to spend with your family, especially when you have little kids, you're going to regret that for the rest of your life. I, I promise you, do not do it. Wait till your kids are in high school or college. And then when you have time of your, for yourself to do things, then do it. Don't do it when your wife is pregnant. Don't do it when your kids are playing like Little League because you're going to miss all that. And you're going to, you're going to, it's depending on the type of person you are. I love my family. I have a beautiful wife. I have beautiful children. And I literally missed half of their lives because of this. You know, and I wish I could take all of that back, but I can't. So my plan is now to make this work so I can make it up to them in the future. Thank you, know? you for your your insight and all of your all of your knowledge in this area. Tell us a little bit more about Hyperion Public and how we can support you, how we can come by and have a drink. I would love for you to come by and have a drink. Hyperion Public is probably one of the few black-owned bars and restaurants. It's the only one in Silver Lake. It's probably the only one in Hollywood. It's probably it's one of the few in Los Angeles as a whole. It's one of the kind because it's in a in a neighborhood where where it's not expected to be. It's black-owned places in Los Feliz and Silver Lake where it's mainly like you know like. It's, it's a lot of white collar, like workers on one side of the street, which is Silver Lake, and then on the other side of the street, which is Los Feliz, is writers and directors and producers. You know, it's crazy. It's like one side of the street, the house costs 1.8 million to start, and on the other side, it costs 600,000 to start. But that's, I'm in the middle of that. You know, the thing about this, this place is that everyone's accepted there. Everyone's welcome there. Anybody can come and hang out. It's, 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 a beautiful place for anybody just to be and know that like you can sit down by yourself and another person's right there and you're going to have a new friend by the end of like and before you leave because that's what it's supposed to do it's it's a place where people can not just connect but throw away their differences you know it doesn't matter straight gay whatever it's like people talk to each other people do anything and then the other thing too is that we do things like fun stuff like trivia you know, where you're sitting at the bar and some guy's asking questions on the microphone, you win prizes and stuff like that. But, you know, it's different genres of people, different ranges of people who know different answers. So like one playing old black guy like me, it's like, don't ask the music about old sports or soul, you know, like kid me, but I can't answer anything about, you know, movies. I'm done. So but somebody next to me can, you know, then we do like, uh, we do all types of things, you know, so we do things to bring the community together, things like that make people respect and love and want to be together. And that's the beauty of Hyperion Public. It's a, it's a white collar dive bar, <laughs> you know, <laughs> that a black person owns. That's a, and that's no a great one to see it. <laughs> like, I'm, I'm pretty sure the neighborhood didn't know I was even black and owned the place until COVID hit, you know, because then I had to file for those loans and say, yes, it's black owned, you know, and then all of a sudden, you know, then they knew. 
Um, and how can we find you online? Is it, is it HyperionPublic.com? Hyperion, yeah, but it's the best thing to do is just hit us up on Instagram, you know, because who uses Facebook or anything anymore? People just go to Instagram and they see your pictures, they, they leave you a message and everything. We respond a lot quicker to that, you know, and then it's like it's, it's even more, more personal because mainly you'll talk to me. <laughs> if you hit me up on Instagram, I'm going to hit you back up and say, hey, how you doing? Come on through. You know, what's going on? What's going on tonight? I'll tell you, like tonight is, uh, tonight is the speakeasy. Play on words. I think not, but it's happening. Um, and the speakeasy is, uh, it's sexy. I hope that's all I'm going to say. It's sexy. <laughs> you will, you won't be mad no matter who you are. Well, very good. Thank you so much, John. Speaks for coming through. Um, we wish you continued success. Thank you, Sonia. And, uh, when you're in LA, Come see your brother. Come hang I'm out with me. I'm definitely going to come through. Absolutely. I will show you what it's all about. <laughs> Thanks again. And thank you all for listening. We'll be back again next week with another great guest. The Business First Podcast is hosted and produced by Sonia Aline. Executive producer, Ken Johnson. Find the Business First Podcast on Apple Podcasts, Stitcher, Spotify, Odyssey, iHeartRadio, Amazon Music, TuneIn, or wherever you get your podcast. On social media, on IG, at business underscore first underscore podcast. Follow the Mean O'Line Media Podcast Network on IG at Mean O'Line Media. Get the Mean O'Line Media app in the App Store or Google Play. The Business First Podcast is a Mean O'Line Media production. Everybody in your crew identifies as either Big Mac Burger, McNuggets, or McCrispy Sandwich. But you're the filet fish Sandwich all day. That crispy fish, that savory tartar sauce, that melty cheese, that pillowy bun. Yeah, you get it. Every time. And if you love the filet of fish right now you can catch two of the classics you love for just $6. Limited time only. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Single item at regular price. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba.